Welcome to episode number eight of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your co-host for this episode, because joining me today is Bryce Berglund. Bryce works as the Content Marketing Specialist at National Land Realty. Today, our topic will be how to lease your land for hunting. We'll be discussing how to set up contracts, the types of land that make good hunting leases, how your lease gets valued, and plenty of other additional valuable information. Our guest today, Aaron Sutton. He's a managing broker in both Kinston, North Carolina and Virginia Beach, Virginia. Aaron has worked around real estate for for 13 years continuously. He has been one of the top producing land professionals in the country. He is one of those lucky few people whose profession and his hobbies are the same thing. Aaron loves the outdoors, and he has an immense knowledge on the topic. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. All right, so I'm here in the uh, in the in the Zoom session with uh, with one of our content marketing specialists here, Bryce Berglund. You want to introduce yourself here, real quick? Hi. Um, I'm super excited to, uh, to sit down and chat with you guys today. Awesome. And we're, we're talking today with Aaron Sutton out of North Carolina. Um, today's topic is leasing your land for hunting. Uh, Aaron has a ton of experience, uh, working with land and around land. And Aaron, I, I want to, you know, I can, I can read your bio off our website or anything like that, but I think that that's a, that's a, that's a weak approach. I'd rather, I, I want to know your background. I want to know how you got into the land industry. Tell everybody sort of like, you know, what, what, what gave you your experience and how you got into this? I got you. Um, so basically I'm a born and raised in East North Carolina and um, hunting around our farms. We own a bunch of farmland around here uh, with my granddaddy, you know, shooting squirrels, dove hunting, deer hunting, turkey hunting, you name it. Um, it's kind of what I grew up doing. Um, and life takes on and you go to college. I ended up at uh, East Carolina University. I double majored in business and construction management. Um, but during my time there, um, I got my real estate license and started selling a little bit of housing. And I figured out that you know, I was not passionate about housing. Uh, just the monotony of it, uh, dealing with lenders, and it just it just wasn't fun to me. Made a little bit of money, but it just wasn't passion. Um, so basically, uh, I started looking around um, for better hunting land um, during hunting season, and I was running across different property companies, and uh, I noticed that there was things called land brokers. And I said, huh, I've got my real estate license, so I, why can't I be a land broker? So um, I went to work for a brokerage company and um, I, I learned a lot of things to do uh, with the company and, and with business. Um, but I started building my own um, rapport with, with industry specialists, uh, foresters, uh, surveyors, appraisers, um, attorneys. And um, so my passion for, for the outdoors kind of led me into the, the real estate market um, for the land brokerage market. And now I have joined into um, a, a great company with National Land, and I'm, I'm one of the, the managing brokers for North Carolina and Virginia. Uh, it's been good. Excellent. You spend a lot of time outdoors. You do a lot of hunting. You know, talk to me a little bit about your outdoor pursuits there. Yep. So I'm in, uh, I'm in three different leases. Uh, I've got one personal lease around 
my home here in, in Kinston. Uh, then I'm also in a lease in Kentucky, Western Kentucky, and I'm also, that's about 1,200 acres. Um, and then I'm also in a lease with 13,000 acres in Kansas. So um, travel to the Midwest, man. It's, it's a big deer. So. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, it, so, and it's what you're getting at, too, is that you, you've worked with leasing quite a bit, even on a personal level. I have on a personal level, on a business level. Um, I've, I've dealt with help clients manage leases, both um, leasing their land and also uh, leasing land. Uh, and I have every week somebody calls me and says, hey, what you got for lease? You know, so I, I know how to navigate those waters as well. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so maybe to uh, to kind of start us off here to get us going, could you talk just briefly about you know what is leasing? Give us maybe an overview of the concept and you know, how you see it. Well, leasing could be anything. I mean, it's from um, you could lease a car to a house to, to obviously what we're talking about um, leasing land, but it's basically a contract between um, one person that has a product and the other person that wants to use that product or asset. And uh, a payment of some sort, whether it be typically uh, it's monetary, but you could also trade things out for for work um, or, you know, here's my tax bill. You just pay my tax bill and, and hunt a land or, or whatever, um, kind of scratch each other's backs in, in different ways. So, but basically in, in layman's terms, it's you have something I want and here's a little bit of money for it and use it during a specific time, uh, um, set time. You know, I was trying to come up with a way to describe it, and I didn't get to that point, but that's probably the most perfect description that I heard on leasing. That's pretty dialed in. Uh, so, hey, what are what's the most common questions that sort of you get asked? Like, I and and I know like anybody that talks to you that's already done leasing, they probably understand it. But for people that that are sort of like you know putting their toes in the water and and they're curious about. You know, like, the, how do I do this? How do I how do I get a lease? What do I look for? You know, what's well, what's some really common ones? First question is, how much? What can I make on my property? Um, from a landowner side of things is, you know, well, what's what's it worth? And that fluctuates across the country. Um, you know, in, in our lease in Kentucky, we're at, you know, $30 an acre. Uh, in my lease here in North Carolina, is at about $7 an acre. So it, it depends on how, to put it bluntly, how big your deer are. If you got duck hunting, if you're allowed to turkey hunt on it. Um, is it a full-scale lease, or is it broke down into just deer hunting? Um, then we have some stuff here in North Carolina that bear hunting land that is phenomenal bears, uh, trophy Boone and Crockett-sized bear, and those leases go for a lot of money. Um, so that's one question is the, the payments then. Another one is your insurance. Um, what happens if somebody gets hurt? Well, you've got hunting liability insurance companies everywhere on just Google and you'll find a dozen. Um, and typically the, the leasey um, will pay for that. And it's fairly inexpensive, a couple hundred bucks to maybe a couple thousand, depending on the size of the lease. Um, and then uh, how many people are in the lease? You know, if you've got a thousand acres, you can't go put 30 or 40 people on it. You've got to control it, manage it a little bit um, for safety reasons and also you know, you got 40 people on, on a thousand acres, you're going to kill everything there is and won't have enough for 40 <laughs> years to come. 
Plus, that at a certain point, it's not a lease, it's public land, right? <laughs> Truly. I mean, yeah, it's cheap for everybody, but it's not beneficial for everybody. Um, another question is, uh, what kind of weapons are going to be used? Is it shotguns? Are we rifle hunting? Is it bow hunting? Um, and, and a lot of people ask that for safety. You know, trying to protect their neighbors, or I, I don't want somebody out here with a rifle and we've only got 50 acres. You can make it work, but you're kind of shoot a high-powered rifle that shoot, you know, a mile or two over 50 acres. It's, it's not practical. Yeah, um, yeah, you got to establish your short range versus your long range kind of stipulate. Right. Now, one of the questions that we get, and this could be a state-by-state state question, is um, dog hunt. Do you hunt with dogs? Um, that, that's actually a really big one in North Carolina. Um, so then you go to Kentucky or somewhere like that, and they don't do that. Missouri. <laughs> You took a group yeah. of dogs to Missouri, they skin you up. Because well, and that can be, and that can be set by either a the state or the landowner, right? That's like right. There's, there's two ways that you can approach that. It might be legal in the state, but the landowner doesn't want to, you know, have that on their land, so that they, right. you know, you got to know whether to stipulate it in the leasing contract, right? And it's neither good nor bad. I mean, I, I've got friends that run that hunt with dogs, and and I've got friends that still hunt. You know, I, I don't care which one that it is, but but definitely landowners, um, they usually care one way or the other. They're either for it or against it. There is no, um, it's very rare that it's a gray area. Right. So I know that a lot of what you've been talking about so far has been dealing with uh, hunting leases specifically. What other kinds of leases do you have experience with or work with? Because I know that there are a lot of other types of leases when it comes to owning land. Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, there, there's there's all kinds of leases, um, commercial leases. I've dealt with those triple nets. Um, then there's there's your typical farm leases. You know, you've got a track of 500 acres and 200 of it's farmland, um, and you've got a little old lady that doesn't really know much about about leasing. Well, while you're managing the recreational lease for her, you can also help coordinate something with a farmer and make sure she's getting fair values for it. Um, you know, then there's a uh, there's mineral leases. Um, my family is was in the mining business for 65 years, um, and my great granddaddy started it. Uh, you go pay a landowner for leasing their minerals, and dig them and excavate them, whatever the mineral might be, whether it's gold or uh, phosphate or coal, whatever it could be, you can do a mineral lease that way. Um, so there, there's several different leases. Yeah. And so, and, and this, you know, our topic here is, is, is hunting. And, and I wanted to sort of ask you what's, what's the process look like as far as I decide that like, let's say I have 500 acres that, you know, maybe I inherited it, whatever, like I, I have it, you know, at my disposal, but I'm maybe not using it a lot, or maybe I'm only using it for, for, you know, maybe I'm only farming the land or I'm running cattle on part of it. And I want to explore the possibility of leasing it for hunting. You know, how do I go about it? And, and who do I contact? What's it look like? How do I get it? How do I get people to see it? You know, so what's that whole kind of scenario look like? So you just reach out to your, your land specialist that has dealt with leasing. Um, just because you're a land worker doesn't mean that you, you know, you know everything, but um, deal with a guy that's, that's, that's well-versed in it. Um, you know, if you're in North Carolina, definitely call me. I'll help you out. But, um, <laughs> you're saying call me. <laughs> call me. But, um, 
Man, it's a really simple process. Just I'll use myself for example. You call me up, and say, "Hey, Aaron, I've got 500 acres. I'd, I'd like to lease." You know, I'll go out, evaluate it, uh, tell you, look at the local local fair market leasing values. Then we'll talk about you know, there's bears on it. Eastern North Carolina is full of bears. So there's bear hunting. There's turkeys, your deer, your ducks. You know, and if you say it's a turnkey hunting operation, you can hunt everything. Um, you know, I tell you what you what it's worth. And um, we go from there. Then you also look at, is there a house on it? You know, because like our lease in, in both Kansas and Kentucky, um, we have houses on it that we can, that come with the lease. That cranks up the value on it. So, and it makes it way more profitable for you as a landowner. Um, typically, a lease runs from, you know, July 1st to June 30th. Um, and that's a full calendar year there. Um, and that covers most hunting seasons, no matter what state that you're in. You know, that's usually got your springtime turkeys, your, your deer, your duck hunting. It, you're covering everything in that full year, and then it starts over that some, sometime during that summer. Awesome. And how, do, and how do you pick up, you know, when, when you're working with somebody on a lease, how do you get their lease seen? Um, through our standard marketing practices, uh, Social media, um, you know, National Land, we started a, a, a leasing program um, for landowners. So we've got all of our different marketing techniques, uh, but it's basically a lot like a land sale. You know, we'll fly and drone photos, we'll take pictures of turkey prints and, you know, whatever, but basically just show the evidence of what kind of deer are there, uh, trail cam pictures, um, whatever. So we just use that as, same concept marketing yeah and, and you were talking about evaluating sort of the lease you know when somebody tells you that they want to you know lease their land or they want to explore the possibility and and you spoke to that pretty well on, on you, know, you want to talk to somebody with leasing experience and and you also want to talk to somebody with land experience you know what are you evaluating is it, is it like access roads pathways population densities like what are you using to to sort of it's, tell somebody what it's, it's worth it's all of those um we used the example of your 500 acres a while ago you know we'll just say it's split with cattle land well you, you really can't hunt cattle land i mean it's you can but it's, it's not really valuable there so just say 200 acres of it's cattle land well i'm going to put a, a premium price on the 300 acres of timber that's got a good road system through it behind that cattle you know, we're going to put a premium price on that and then we're going to drop the price on the cattle land because not much value there. Um, or even if it's um, farmland, you, there's not a whole lot that you can, you know, it might be 100 acres of farmland, but you can only put one deer stand there and hunt safely. So it's less valuable than a good stand of timber. Um, so we just evaluate it from, from all fronts and obviously try to get you as much money as we can. And let the market dictate it, but um, there's definitely some tracks that are more valuable than than others. So if I am, you know, this landowner that we're talking about, 500 acres, looking to lease it out, and we've made we've you know made contact, and you've evaluated my land. What are some of the the benefits that I can expect to be seeing from this lease? You know, what what's in it for me, the landowner? Well, obviously, there's. First and foremost, monetary, the money side of things. Um, you know, and it, it, it might not be much uh, money there, but it's enough to pay your taxes or, 
or take your wife on a nice you know shopping trip or, or take family on a on, on a to Disney World or something. Um, but you know, it's the monetary side of things is is first and foremost. Um, second thing would be keeping keeping the property clean. A lot of times you're able to strike a deal with the with the the leasee and they say, hey, you know, here's five thousand dollars and I'll mow all your ditch banks and keep your your folder pass clean throughout the year as well. So that takes a little bit of weight off your shoulders of having to, to manage your property, so to speak. Um, so that's, so that's I got to jump in there. So you set up that kind of arrangement with people where it's like, okay, you can hunt this and you're going to pay, but you got to mow my ditch banks. Um, usually, well, if you've got ditch banks that are full, you, you can't see your game is good. You know, so it's, <laughs> a, it's a scratch each other's back thing, but uh-huh. man, uh, I know every state's different, but North Carolina here, dude, it, it's thick in some of our woods. Um, so it benefits that, that hunter to have a good clean shooting ditch bank or whatever that he might be, might be looking down. But then, you know, out West, you know, it's a whole lot of CRP and whatever. And there's not as much cleaning up out that way. Um, and it's different worlds, different states, different worlds. So, but over here, man, if you've got a, if you've got a power line running through your property or a gas easement running through your property and, you know, you can see down that gas gas easement for miles. Well, you want to keep that power line or that gas easement cleaned up because the deer use it as a food plot, um, whatever it might be. So you're able to talk that hunter, you're giving permission. Yeah, keep a power line mode and you can hunt it. And it benefits him too. So yeah, he's doing the work, but he's not doing it just, just to be nice. There's there's ulterior motive there, definitely. And and yeah, you spoke to to the income side of things. Is is it is it can it be lucrative or is it usually kind of a minimal income or and I realize it's dependent on the on the game population density and and sort of the the quality of of the tract. But I mean, just in general, you know, is it is it just going to pay your taxes? Is it or or can you pay off the the land itself or? Well, um, you know, we've got twelve hundred acres in Kentucky. And we pay right at thirty dollars an acre. That's thirty grand. That's that paid for our land. Pay for his wedding, his daughter's wedding one year. Um, so he tried to go up on us that year, but um, <laughs> it, it paid for it. Um, but then turn around over here in North Carolina, and I'm paying just a few dollars an acre. It's that's just paying that that farmer's tax. You know, it's so it can be lucrative, um, but it can also just minimum as well it just depends on where you're at um it's kind of like supply and demand um the demand is for 170 180 inch deer there's not a whole lot of supply of that there definitely is not north carolina um but you go to kentucky or or your iowa's or missouri's of the world and it is very 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 good money out there and so what's what's some of the challenges with with leasing your land i mean could, I, i'm assuming that it can be like a logistical nightmare in some situations you know what, what would cause that what would cause a bad situation or what's some of the the, well, the happen? one of the biggest ones would probably be like a, a overbearing landowner or leasee one of the two um you know a, a personality that's um or type a uh that's just wanting to be control whatever especially from the landowner side that he's like hey man go lease my land here's you know, 
give me $5,000 and you can hunt it like you want it. So the Lisa pays him and then it turns around and he's like, but you can't do this. Or, you know, he rides down there every day at five o'clock during shoot time and just trying to keep an eye on his property, but he's not, he's not kind of honoring his side of things of, Hey man, I'm hunting. It's five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in November rut season. And you're riding down here just to see what's going on. You know, so the, the <laughs> overbearing, but um, the, the landowner that can't let go of the control of their property. Um, that's one of the biggest challenges probably that I face. Um, because how do you go to the landowner and say, Hey man, can't ride on your land. You know, you try and make it to where it's, Going to do it, do it at lunchtime or something. Um, is that something that you stipulate in the contract? And I mean, no, um, because that usually turns it, it turns people away. You try to, if there's a problem, then you try and address it. Um, I don't typically uh, do it in the contract. You know, you, you can't be on the property because most people just say, "Well, I own it. I want to be able to go on." Um, but I've used the example of, well, if I was I was leasing an apartment building from you or an apartment, you know, number two or three or something. Um, you just can't come and sit in there at any time that you want to. You know, I'm living here. I'm using it like I want to. It's my space. You know? So you use that and people kind of start to understand of, okay, I get you, you know, you're on my property, but it's hunting season and this is what you're here for. So I'm not going to mess that up. For you. But there are a few people out there that just don't get it. So, uh, actually, the guy that we lease from, um, he's not overbearing like that, but uh, the guy I lease here in North Carolina from, he went and sat one day. He's an old farmer. He went and sat out there and just looked at his crops one day at about 4.30 on a Saturday. So I called him from the deer stand. I said, hey, I'm looking at you in the deer stand. It turned his hand. I said, man, I'm trying to hunt. Here is like, can you, can you, can you mosey on a little bit? He said, oh, you don't need to shoot these deer anyway. And he drove off, but gave me a hard time. But, but um, I was literally like, hey, come on, dude. You, know? you were in the line of fire. We yeah. Your own I was really on my corn pile. But, um, <laughs> you know, so that's one of the things that, that we deal with. Um, you know, and then sometimes you deal with the unfriendly neighbors. Uh they might want to lease land and you have the lease on it. So they want to be a little bit of a thorn in your side, um, riding their four wheelers on a Saturday or, you know, just, just trying to aggravate you, just poke the bear a little bit. Um, you know, you deal with those. So they're a tough one to, to navigate because they don't have the lease. They want the lease. Maybe they can't afford the lease or something. Um, so unfriendly neighbor. Um, and then one of the biggest things is not following the rules from us. From the guy leasing it, um, you know, the landowner says, look, I don't want you turkey hunting. Next thing you know, he thinks that, well, it's an out-of-state landowner. He'll never know if I'm over here turkey hunting, you know, not following the rules. So that's that's one of them. Um, and then the last one is probably uh, trying to get payment from some guys sometimes. You know, I, I always, you know, when I'm navigating it, I, I get lease money up front. Um, but some landowners deal with, with, um, hunters on their own. And I've heard stories of, you know, they wrote them a check, the check bounce or whatever. 
of getting payment sometimes. And that's where land specialist helps out, navigate those waters, so to speak, of, hey, man, we got to have your money up front before you step foot on this property. Go from there. Um, I was curious about, you know, when, when you mentioned food plots, and, and I wanted to sort of ask you about the management of food plots in a leasing situation, because I'm assuming this could go either way. This could go where, where the landowner maintains land and they maintain a food plot for the leasee, or the leasee is given the opportunity to set up their own food plot um, or, or any, or any other situations, right? Like where, like, you know, in a Turkey area, right? Like setting up, you know, your blind situation. Um, and, and if there is anything in there, do, how, how is that set up? How, how do you go about deciding who and, you know, what? So typically you leave that up to the, the gentleman that's hunting. Um, you know, Hey man, you, you can do food plots here. You kind of give them the area that they can do a food plot. Obviously, they don't need to do it in the middle of your your uh, row crops, you know, out there with a 100 acres of corn land out there. And next thing you know, old Billy Bob's put a put a chicory plot out there in the middle of things for turkeys. <laughs> like, man, so, obviously, you know, they've got boundaries there, but you let the, the, the gentleman hunting um, do like he wants to on it. But, like, I've got a 400-acre track that's currently on the market if anybody wants to buy it. But um, he, they do lease it. Uh, it's, um, I think it's 412 acres. They lease it for thirty grand a year here in North Carolina. But that gentleman that owns it plants all the food plots. He puts up uh, about 2,500 pounds of corn. He, he fills it up the grain bin. So you have access to corn. You get to use his deer stands. Um, it's literally, you just walk up and hunt, um, but you're paying a premium price for that. So um, it can go both ways. So we, uh, we spoke on this a little bit with, with some of the last questions, but what are some other red flags to look for when, you know, talking about a land, a possible land lease with a, with a leaser? Yeah. I, um, and that's, I was going to say, that's what we talked about, like, you know, complications, but like, you know, what's the, what sort of preventative measures, what do you look for? You know, if you're, if you're looking to get into a contract with a leasee or, or if you're looking at a land to lease. Oh, uh, the biggest thing is to look for, for, you know, for leasee or looking at somebody that's wanting to, to lease your land is um, background report almost, you know, if you've got a gentleman over here saying, I want to lease your land, I'm willing to pay you four or $5,000 and you look it up and he's been convicted of baiting turkeys or shooting deer at night or whatever, or poaching other land. Yeah. Character isn't really there for that guy. So, you know, that's, that's the biggest red flag. And, and a lot of times the hunt community is a small world. It is, it's a very big world, but it is a very tight knit world. Um, so if you've got a gentleman out there that's breaking the law a lot, people know about it and landowners know about it. Um, so if you're dealing with that, uh, making sure that somebody follows the rules, um, the rule of the law. Uh, that's probably the biggest red flag that I'd say. Um, you know, you got some guys that you can tell are overbearing or type A personalities that um, those might be a little bit of a red flag because they might try and, I don't know what the word is, but push the landowner around a little bit and try I'm to say they're kind of like a micromanager on the land. 
kind of. Um, so th- that'd be about the only other red flag that I'd see. But definitely the biggest one is, can that, that hunter, can he follow the, the local or state wildlife law? Yeah, it's a liability question there, too. Is, is the landowner liable if, if a leasee poaches on their land? No. Okay. I, I was just curious about that. Like, No, wonder- I say this uh, to cover myself, check your state regulations. But, um, <laughs> uh, but typically, no. I mean, how can they be held accountable for, for something that they don't know that's going on? I wanted to ask, you know, if you're a landowner and you find yourself in a situation with a leasee who is, you know, breaking laws or not following regulations, is there a path out for you? Is there a way to go about breaking that lease if they aren't upholding, you know, certain terms? Typically in a lease contract, you will have it um, that the leasee has to follow all state and and federal guidelines for hunting. Otherwise, it's null and void. Um, You put that in the contract. So that's it. That's an easy way out. What are some other contractual things that you'd like to try to 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 put into a leasing contract that that you know maybe maybe might not be typical, but something that you've maybe run into? That- well, obviously you do um, monetary and you know time frames, your your typical stuff. Um, and there's every situation is a little bit different. Uh, you could exclude turkey hunting rights, um, like our leasing Kentucky does not uh, have any turkey hunting rights for. Uh, the landowner, him and his sons like turkey hunt. Uh, so they said, hey, we want, to, we want to hold this off for the springtime for us. Um, it's Every situation is a little bit different. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It just strikes me as, you know, odd. Everything's usually pretty straightforward. I was going to say, you know, now you got my curiosity up. You ever have any like really weird ones? Like you can hunt my land, but you have to pet like three cows or something like that. I've never had, uh, (laughs) I'm sure there's some stories out there, Um, (laughs) but you know, I have seen to where I I had a guy that leased a bunch of land from a, from an old lady. And um, the gentleman actually, she went on vacation for a month. So every single weekend that he was there, she asked him to come by and, you know, check on her chickens, I believe is what she had. I was and actually going to mention chickens in that. I went to cows, but chickens was on my mind. Chickens, <laughs> she, he had to go feed the chickens and she had turkeys. That's what it was. She had a couple yard turkeys um, that were her pets. He had to go by there and feed them. She, she went out of town, see her family out in another state or something. And, and she asked him, hey, will you come by and just check on, check on my, my pet for me? that's it, just being a common decent person in general but nothing nothing weird like you got to you got to go buy my mailbox and oh this is there is a good one though um if you are here hunting put a flag on the gate to let us know that you're back there hunting some mm-hmm. kind of a marker um i've seen uh I don't know the big bicycle flags. It's got the you know the, the triangle reflector on it. Yeah, you know, they'll get those and um, put those in the ground to let the let the landowner know that hey, we are back here hunting. That has been one, and that's that's a safety point. That's I you know I didn't even think about that one either as far as asking it. And I now that you brought that up, I think that that's probably very very important when you're setting up a leasing contract because you know for safety for you know politeness like you were talking about too with landowners coming across it like shooting light you know you don't want something like that 
Um, that's definitely a, definitely a thing. Is, is there anything that you've worked with in the past as far as like, let's say in situations you mentioned cows, like where you have nearby livestock, where you have to stipulate, like you can't shoot this direction in case you hit a cow or, or, you know, it's something along those lines. Has that, has that been stipulated? So nothing that says that you can't shoot in cattle. They definitely tell you not to shoot the cows, but uh, like our lease in, in Kentucky, we do have some cattle land on it and we are not allowed to put corn out over the cattle line because the cows, I mean, it's, it's like, candy right it's it's like candy exactly Um, so you can't really we cannot we can put corn right up to it but uh and they really don't want us doing that because they don't want the cows pushing on the fence i was gonna say they'll push through and they have that those farms have distance that's that's right so but um so we cannot do it in any field that they'll be putting cows out we cannot have any corn out okay yeah and it's, it's good to know too like so that's that's sort of was that stipulated in contract or is that just kind of like, Hey guys, it's a, it's a handshake. Hey man, look, just don't put any corn out in the cattle. He's, he's got about, about 150 acres so okay. it's spread out in four or five different farms to so 20, 30, 40 acres here, there. Um, but it's just a, Hey, just don't do that. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Yeah. I was going to say there's, there's a lot of stuff that comes into to leasing that come down to like common decency. Right. I mean, yeah. it, I, I imagine I'm a big fan of putting everything on paper so that you're like super double you know, top secret protected, you know, on, on all given grounds. But, but when it, when it comes down to it, you know, a lot of it is you really want to make sure to probably talk a few times with, with a potential lease or to, to make sure that, that, that you can get along with them. Right. Absolutely. Um, if you can't have that relationship, it's not going to go anywhere. You know, yeah. and- do you ever do references? Yeah. Have you ever leased land before? Um, uh, but common decency, a good word for, for it is also common sense, you know, uh, which it's lacking in a lot of the world now, but, um, <laughs> just have some common sense about things, you know, don't, don't ride your truck through the middle of a man's field, uh, when he's just planted it or whatever. I mean, just common sense, take the path. Don't take the shortcut. Uh, yeah yeah um yeah i you know as far as as far as your experience how long have you been you know you mentioned your background how long have you worked in in the land industry um probably 14 it's 14 maybe going on 15 years right so we're talking 14 years of experience of working with this stuff i, I just wanted to i wanted to clarify that because we didn't out front and, and i wanted to make sure like you're somebody who has worked with this a lot <laughs> Yeah, I've dealt with it for a long time, and it's it's been fun though. Um, oh yeah, I, I love every avenue of my job, from the the sales side of things to dealing with leases to the headache of things. You know, one of our guys says, "You know, we're problem solvers." That's a land broker definition is problem solver, um, and it goes to leasing and sales as well, uh, whether it be access issues you know not having deeded access well we can't lease your land or we can't sell your land without having some kind of deeded access um or dealing with estates you know you might lease land for 25 people a group of landowners that all live out of state and inherit it from their grandma and who gets the money for it you know so it's problem solvers our biggest 
is is a good definition for what we do. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot of experience in it. It's been fun. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Any any last points that you want to leave us with? I mean, like we've covered a lot of topic areas. I want to I want to be sure to like you know make sure we we make best use of time and provide maximum value for anybody that wants to listen to this. Yeah. So you know, like I say, every situation is different. Your land back might be different than what I own here. Um, so National Lands built a very, very good leasing platform. Uh, we have very smart agents across the country uh, that are professional, they ethical, um, and they know your local markets of what your values are and so on. So using our platform can definitely help a, a, a landowner um, get the most value out of their property and tying it up contractually to make sure that everybody's protected and that things are done right. You know, so just give a national land agent a, a call. And if you're in North Carolina, give me a call. Oh, in Virginia too. And, and actually I'm getting licensed in Tennessee right now. So I'll be in all three states. So, so yeah, like, like, uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, email a Sutton at nationalland.com. Best way. All right. And again, that's Aaron Sutton, North Carolina, and you're, you're getting licensed in Tennessee and I'm in Virginia. I'm in North Carolina and headed. I'm taking the class right now for my Tennessee life. Excellent. Um, Aaron, great talking to you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Uh, you know, thank you very much. Thank you. This concludes episode number eight of the National Land Realty Podcast, discussing how to lease your land for hunting with Aaron Sutton of North Carolina. You can contact Aaron or learn more about land ownership in the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.